Listening to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast where we share the knowledge of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science to help you learn and embody ancient wisdom in a practical way to optimize your health, deepen your spiritual practice, and step into your peak potential. I'm your host, Mel Singh. Welcome to the podcast. So today I want to really cover with you five reasons why yoga asana in and of itself is not deeply supporting your nervous system and your anxiety in the way that maybe you think it would, or maybe in the way that you hoped it would. And I'll share this with you from personal embodied experience. Like I started my yoga practice in one of the most difficult points of my life, right? Where I was experiencing this very intense anxiety, mood issues, a very dysregulated nervous system. And I, I, you know, came to yoga quote unquote yoga. I came to asana from that space of really wanting to heal. Um, and thinking that this was going to be the thing that it was going to be the magic bullet that was going to help me. Um, and it did, of course it did. It really did support me for a long, for, for a long time until it didn't (laughs) until, you know, it was like, I was kind of putting all my eggs in this one basket, hoping that that was going to be the thing that was really going to support me. And and after some time, it just wasn't. And I knew that I needed more. And I had this intuition that I needed more, but I didn't know what that looked like. Um, And I know because I've worked with so many people and, you know, I know so many people who've had a similar experience and it's not that what you're doing. And I also want to set this context before I go deeper into things. This is not to paint the picture of like, you're not doing enough. You need to do more. It's not about doing more. It's about really understanding what it is that you need, right? It's about understanding what, what is it that's sort of creating this anxiety in the first place? What is the, what is it that's creating the dysregulated nervous system in the first place? And then learning the steps and the tools to be able to create change from that space, right? Um, because for me, it wasn't until I studied Ayurveda and like even went deeper and reintegrated a lot of the nervous system neuroscience stuff that I had learned that I had learned very specifically in the context of movement and high performance. When, when that all sort of came together, I was like, oh, okay. I can see why, what I'm doing and why, how, what I'm doing, right. The way that I was doing asana, the way I was approaching my practice, I can see how that actually number one was not healing my nervous system. And number two was kind of making it worse. <laughs> so I want to get into this today. The five reasons, I mean, there may, there may be more <laughs> as well, but these are the five reasons that I have come up with that I've seen that I've experienced why yoga asana in and of itself is not doing that deep work to heal your anxiety and your nervous system the way that you would like it to. And the first reason is, and I'm actually going to make this kind of like two reasons. I'm going to say your yoga starts and ends on your mat. And I'm even going to go a little bit deeper into saying, you're not, you're only practicing asana. You're only practicing this one limb of the yogic path, right? Um, and so I'll kind of go into that in a second, but I'll, 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 I'll start with this, this idea of your yoga starting and ending on your mat. And I know for me, and feel free to share if you're listening in the comments here and I'll, I'll get to it later, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, you know, I can remember back to going to yoga class, you know, getting there. First of all, we like rush to relax. I remember a teacher saying that once, right? We like get there, we stress, we're in traffic, we're getting to our class. We're there for 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever the duration of that class is, we feel that sense of calm. And then the moment I would leave the door, it's like, it's like that yoga high, that yoga bliss, that yoga calm, it was gone. (laughs) 
because there was a level of connectedness that I had to my body, to my mind, to myself in that practice that just sort of went away, that I wasn't really embodying off the mat, right? It was like, okay, here, I'm doing yoga. Like yoga is this thing that you do. Like you go to this class and you go to this space and then you do yoga here, but the rest of your life, like there's no yoga. (laughs) So for me, it was really realizing and recognizing. And as I deepened my studies and as I did programs and, and courses and and, and deeper things that really helped me to see that there's such a magic in being able to embody this work beyond the 60 to 90 minutes that we're doing asana, or even if we're doing pranayama or whatever it is, you know, in that, in that sort of space. Right. So really taking that mindfulness and bringing my breath and bringing that intention into the other areas of my life was game-changing, right? And there's this this saying within Buddhism, um, this idea that there is the time in the meditation space and there's the the time outside of the meditation space. And the goal is that those two, you know, aspects of life, like kind of merge and become one, where the way that we show up outside the meditation space is with the same level of presence and intention that we show up inside the meditation space. And that was just so profound for me as well. So trying to bring that level of awareness to the rest of my life has been profound <laughs> in the way that I'm able to handle my nervous system, right? And um, the the next thing that that we'll get into, but I do want to bring this idea of you know the 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 eight limbs as well, is w- when we do the work to become aware of the state of our nervous system, aware of our doshas, the the missing link between you know being aware of the state of our nervous system and then taking action to create balance is being aware, right? Is, is I hear this from so many students, right? Where they're like, I feel like I, you know, I'm stressed and I'm anxious and I'm overwhelmed, but like, I can't identify it. Like I'm not, I'm not present to, Oh, I'm, I'm feeling anxious. Like there's the ability to be aware of that in and of itself just isn't there. And that is literally like the root cause of that is that we're just disconnected. We're disconnected from our body. We're disconnected from our mind when we're not on our mat or in a meditation space. Right? So the remedy is to bring, you know, little bits of self-consciousness, right? Self-connectedness, building that into our day, making, right, your life an extension of your practice. And and to say as well, like when I first started practicing yoga, asana, it was asana. Like I would go to a yoga class, we would do asanas and that was it. There was no meditation. There was no pranayama. There was no talk of pratyahara. There was no talk of the yamas and the niyamas. Like there was none of that. There was no talk of how do we live our lives, in a yogic way? How do we live our lives in this really sattvic way? There was no discussion about that. So fundamentally, the way that I was showing up again in my life was just not in alignment with that yogic path. And this isn't to say that you need to be some perfect yogi who's like living the yogic life. Like that's not what this is about. It's about intention. It's about attention. It's about what are the, what's the framework? What are the pillars for our life? Right? So diving deeper into that again, learning about the yamas and niyamas, embody, right? Becoming aware of that. How do I want to live my life? How do I want to conduct myself in this world? Learning about incorporating pranayama and meditation and pratyahara in a a really embodied sort of, you know, modern way. Are we going into a cave? Maybe not, right? But can I withdraw my senses inward? Can I make pockets for that in my life, right? Embodying that beyond just asana, that was, was, was really, really profound for me. So recapping, one of the big reasons is, yeah, our yoga starting and ending on our mat and we're just showing up to these classes and we're, you know, feeling good and, you know, we're there for 60 to 90 minutes and then we're gone and, and, and that practice isn't staying with us. So one of the best things we can do is really embody the practice beyond our mat. And as I just sort of alluded to, the second thing is really not being aware of 
And as a consequence of that, then aligning with our mind body state. Um, and again, the way that I like to talk about this is through the lens of the nervous system and of course the doshas. So, you know, when I first started practicing yoga, I was not aware of Ayurveda really. Like I had a little bit of a, you know, knowledge about it. I knew about the nervous system in the context of movement and performance, but not in the context of say the polyvagal theory and the way that we, you know, show up in the world and all of that good stuff. I was not, you know, fully aware of that. And for me, learning and understanding more about my dosha, about the way my nervous system was wired, how that, you know, made me show up. That was game changing for me. That was literally transformational because I'm a, a for those of you who do not know, I'm a pitta kapha, but I have a lot of pitta in me, like that really intense, um, Ayurvedically and yogically, we would also say rajasic. Like I have a lot of that fire in me and I can be more sympathetic dominant, which means that I will tend to, and you know, again, think in your mind, if you resonate with this, like I will push myself in a yoga class. And if there's a 90 minute class and like, I'll go hard, like I will push myself in that class. And that can be a superpower, right? Hustling, that's a superpower. But if left unchecked, that can be a kryptonite, right? That is the thing that can push us into burnout, right? We're doing asana and we think oh, yoga, yoga's calm. No, 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 not all the time. Go do some ashtanga, go do a power flow. When my husband Vikram used to teach at Moksha Thornhill, shout out to Moksha Thornhill, which I think has a different name now. He would do this 90 minute class on a Saturday. And I'm telling you, once I almost threw up after the class, okay, it was so difficult, right? What we were doing yoga is not always this like Om Shanti, like super, you know, Zen practice. It's not, it can be difficult, right? And when we are doing a physically difficult asana practice, what we think in our mind, oh, this is calming me down. It's actually not. It's actually creating a greater stress on the body and a stress on the mind, right? So it's actually having the opposite effect of what we think it's going to have. So when we are aware of our state of being, not only like Ayurvedically say our Prakriti or the general, our general nature, but if, when we can have that moment to moment awareness of, oh, okay, what, what's showing up in my body right now? Is there a dosha that's in balance or that's out of balance right now for me? What's the state of my nervous system? When we can self-identify what that is, we can then, and then we have the tools to create balance and we understand how to create balance. And it's not like it's not like rocket science. I actually joke. It's not rocket science. It's neuroscience, which is harder, which technically it can be complicated, but actually we can distill it down and make it so simple that when we understand our various, you know, current state of being, we can start to take actions that are going to create balance. So had I known that I was showing up in a really rajasic manner, in a really pitta manner, that that was my nature, that I didn't need to push myself so hard, that actually the medicine for me, what would be really hard for me was slowing down right? And taking like a bit of a rest and not pushing myself so hard and going a little easier. Had I known that that was the medicine, I would have approached my practice way differently. Because let me tell you, I burnt out hard and fast. <laughs> I burnt out for sure inside my asana because of that pitta tendency, because of that sympathetic tendency, that perfectionist tendency, I'm going to show up. I'm going to give it my all. Yeah. Yoga. I'm going to show up every day because yoga is going to help me feel more calm. Ah, like no, that's not the energy that we're going for, right? Um, so again, being aware of that is, I always say awareness is, is that first step. If we don't have that pillar in place, anything that we do, whatever we do may actually dysregulate our nervous system further. So that was actually one of the reasons why I feel asana, not that asana is bad. And I don't want to bash any types of asana. I think ashtanga is a beautiful practice. Maybe I'll do a totally other you know episode about that as well. I think ashtanga can be incredibly regulating when done properly for the individual and incredibly dysregulating if done improperly, not in alignment with the individual. So that was number two. Number three is your gut. <laughs> 
So yes, asana in some level, it can totally help with digestion for sure. And also it's not getting to the root cause of certain issues within the microbiome. It is certainly not helping us to get rid of, you know, um, stealth bugs in our digestive system that are creating microbiome imbalance, right? It's not going to help to heal dysbiosis. It's not going to help to get rid of your candida if that's what, what's causing it, right? We know that an imbalanced microbiome is absolutely going to affect the nervous system, that there is a bi-directional communication going on between your gut and your nervous system. And if we have dysbiosis as a result of just, you know, maybe food poisoning, or we've got stuff like that going on, we've got parasites. I'll do a whole other episode on that. <laughs> um, or we're eating foods that are, that are chronically inflaming our, our bowels and therefore our body, which that is the the fourth the fourth thing right but if we're in that chronic imbalanced state of our gut that's absolutely going to impact our nervous system and no amount of asana is going to rebalance that it it really depends on we need to maybe take certain herbs we need to be mindful of the foods that we're eating right we need to you know we we need to create some we need to stoke agni right we need to support our digestive fire asana does that a little but it's not getting to like a big root cause of that right so this is where, you know, and again, if I go back up to that, you know, prior, <laughs> that prior step, which is aligning with our, you know, unique mind body type and state of our nervous system, we might see online, oh, this is this healthy food I should eat. Oh, that healthy food I should eat. But not all foods work the same for the same people, right? We know based on Ayurveda, which lays it out so beautifully that different foods suit different doshas. Diff differently, right? A a salad might be better suited for a kapha or a pitta, but certainly not a vata, right? A, a green juice might support of again a pitta or a kapha, but probably not a vata dosha, right? A heavier, more grounding, you know, nourishing bowl with like sweet potatoes and you know ghee that would be really nourishing for vata, but maybe not for kapha. So understanding our state of 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 being, our prakriti. And then doing the work to align with that, not only within our practice, but within our foods, et cetera, is really, really important. Um, and I want to go into the fourth reason this, and, and that sort of ties in, right? Like I said, to the gut, chronic inflammation. Again, asana can totally support inflammation from the lens of, you know, yes, we're moving our body and that's moving lymph and that can detox things. But again, if the foods that we're eating if the products that we're putting on our skin are straight up just inflammatory or just don't work for our dosha, we're not going to be seeing, we're, we're going to continue to be inflamed. If we have chronic inflammation as a result of, and let me paint this picture for you. Let's say you're doing asana. You're already stressed out. You're burning out. Your adrenals are, are, are taxed, right? Your nervous system is in a sympathetic state and you go and you do a practice that is more sympathetic, that is aggravating the nervous system, that's stressing the nervous system. That is a stress on the body. We need to understand movement is a stress on the body just because it has the word yoga attached to it. Just because it's an asana doesn't mean it's relaxing for the body. Asanas can be relaxed. They can be relaxing, but they can also be stimulating, right? So we need to understand that the way that we're doing asana may actually be creating inflammation within the body. Okay. So again, we're aware of our state. Okay. I'm really sympathetic. You know, what's not going to serve me today. 
doing a 90 minute power flow, doing an entire Ashtanga primary series, jumping back the whole time. We might need to sort of take it down and, 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 and make it easy. And again, we can, the way that we support inflammation, supporting Agni, right? By reducing the amount of inflammatory foods we have, opening up detox pathways, drainage pathways, things like that are really helpful. And doing asanas that are supportive of the state of our nervous system, that are not dysregulating for the state of our nervous system. And I'll, I'll also uh, orient this to you again, but it's like we talk about this idea of fight or flight, right? Like I just said, if our body is already in a state of fight or flight, and we're doing something really challenging with it, it's going to perpetuate that state of fight or flight. So we need to be able to identify, okay, in this state of fight or flight, fight or flight is going to create an inflammatory response in the body, right? So when we're in a chronically stressed fight or flight state, your body is mobilizing for like attack. It's like, all right, let's go. Let, let's mobilize all the, all the troops here, right? So we need to be aware of that and we need to not do things that are going to further stress our body. And I'm promising for most of you listening to this, because most of the people that I speak to, most of the people who are in EA that I, and that I work with, I'm telling you the most of my job is teaching people and counseling people to do less and to be okay with doing less and to validate for them that the hard work of many pittas <laughs> and many vatas as well um, is to lean into the discomfort of doing less. That is so much of the work that we are here for, right? In a society where, you know, we are praised for, you know, being busy and we wear busyness as a badge of honor and like, oh, I'm so stressed from all the work I'm doing in a world that values that as success. It is so hard to prioritize rest and to feel safe enough, right? To relax, to feel safe enough to rest, right? And so this can be something that you know, can, can have some deep seated stuff in there, but I just want to reinforce for you, if you're listening to this, that working toward, and this will even go into the next part about rewiring old patterns and pathways, which is the fifth, um, sort of reason that asana doesn't necessarily support anxiety in the way that, that we would hope it would is again, it rewires physical pathways, but the mental pathways, right. And, and maybe reinforcing for us, that it's safe for me to rest and it's okay for me to rest. And actually I'll even say asana can be a beautiful space to, to anchor that pathway in, right. In the sense of when we show up to a practice or we show up to a class and we say to ourselves, okay, today I'm going to embody doing less and I'm going to be okay with it. And we, in this safe space say, you know what, it's safe for me to do less. I'm going to do a little bit less today. I'm going to be okay with that you know, we start to rewire that pathway. And something that I will say is make sure that you are in a safe space to do that. Make sure that the, the teachers that you're keeping, that the environment that you're in supports that, right? Um, because it's not always that way. And so maybe we, again, if I think about the context of Ashtanga, right? Maybe you start with a home practice and you slowly, like if I actually think about my journey, that's a huge part of what I had to do was practice on my own and anchor into this idea that it is safe for me to do less. It's okay. I'm going to do less and less. And the more that I actually did that, the more nourishing my asana practice became for me, right? Versus just, you know, going to the studio and feeling overwhelmed, right? But um, anchoring into that safety of doing, of doing less, like I said, asana can be a beautiful place to do that. But also, again, there is this like mental component of it, right? And maybe this looks like therapy, challenging, you know, certain beliefs, right? Getting coaching, getting counseling, getting some form of therapy, challenging those beliefs that you have about yourself, that you have about rest, 
right? Being able to challenge that, being able to rewire those. We can rewire it through repetition. We can rewire it through yoga nidra, through hypnotherapy, through, you know, various modalities and methodologies, but we do need to, you know, and I hope what you're also seeing as I paint this picture for you is that the deep nervous system regulation, it exists in the level of the body. It exists also within the mind, also within like our energetic systems as well, right? Within the nervous system, within the body, within the mind. It's not just one thing, right? It's not just asana. It's not just the mind. It's all of it together. And so we really want to have these different, like, you know, um, this multi-pronged approach to regulating and balancing our nervous system and have all of these different tools that are ultimately going to be supporting us, right? And understand you know, this concept of neuroplasticity and how to work with neuroplasticity and how to, you know, slowly titrate and create change within the nervous system and the body. I do want to finish by saying that I think asana is an amazing tool. So this isn't me bashing asana saying no one should do yoga asana. No, no, no. Like, you know, we should do other things. Not at all. I think it's an amazing tool. I recommend it to all of my clients. I do yoga asana every single day, (laughs) right? But it's one piece of the puzzle right? And when it comes to deep nervous system healing, we want all the pieces. You don't just want one piece of the puzzle. You want all of the pieces, right? Um, so understanding all of the, you know, all of those prongs can be really, really helpful. And if this is something that you are struggling with, if you're a yoga teacher, a student, or you're someone who's, you know, like a spiritual conscious human who dabbles in the yoga, right. And you're looking for that deeper, that deeper support, a deeper you know, system of wisdom to support you. This is really what we do inside of my program, Embodied Ayurveda. Okay. So that's my flagship program where I teach you the Ayurvedic, yogic, and science-backed practices to really calm anxiety and regulate your nervous system at the root using this multi-pronged approach, right? So it's not just about this one thing. It's not just about yoga asana. It's about using the complete system of Ayurvedic and yogic wisdom. It's about, you know, going deep into understanding your mind body type, understanding it through the lens of Ayurveda, understanding it through the lens of the nervous system, being able to identify where you are in any given moment, and then being able to create your life in a way that you are able to, you know, align with your unique Prakriti, your unique dosha, right? To align with the state of your nervous system, to create that balance and to address these things like inflammation, agni, rewiring old patterns, right? It's about doing that deep work and getting to that root because a lot of times anxiety and nervous system dysregulation are like a hugely inflamed system. So we need to understand how do we reduce that inflammation, right? Or it's our gut, our agni, our microbiome is just like hugely out of whack. We're eating foods that are just not digesting well for us. Agni is not strong enough to digest what's coming in. And if we don't have those roots in place, we don't have those foundations in place. We can do all the talk therapy, all the yoga asana. We can do all the, you know, hypnotherapy, yoga nidra we, we want. But if that foundational physiology is not in check, we are going to struggle. Okay. We're going to be fighting this sort of uphill battle. So if that is something that resonates for you and you're curious and you want to go deeper, I really want to invite you to apply for embodied Ayurveda. I will put the link below in the show notes. I will put the link here on the Facebook live because we are doing this live on Facebook. Um, and if you have any questions at all, please feel free to send me a message. You can take a look at the program page, apply, I would highly recommend, even if you're, you know, on the fence, apply it. Let's have a conversation. Let's see how things go. I will let you know. And I'm trying to like put this in as many places as possible, but the price for embodied Ayurveda is going to be going up because we do have 
lifetime access to the program, lifetime access to the community. It's just such a fantastic thing. We're constantly upgrading and all of the things. So as a result, the price is going to be increasing to reflect that. So I just want to let y'all know before that happens, give you ample time to just sort of be able to make a decision that feels in alignment sooner rather than later. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pop that link below. If you have any questions and you are listening on Facebook, please go ahead and just you know, send me, uh, you know, put it in the comments below. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for listening. Please, you know, share this podcast with someone who means a lot to you or who could really benefit from this. Um, of course, please like, and, um, not comment on this podcast. What do you do? Please leave a review for this podcast um, so that more people can find it and can get this information. I would so, so appreciate that. And just once again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. It has been a pleasure on my end and I will see you next time. Mm -hmm.